Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Hey friends, this is Josh, and some of you may know that Faith and I had a baby on Monday the 13th at 7.01 a.m. His name is Griffin Eric, and when I say Faith and I had the baby, I really mean that she had the baby, and I was there for moral support. Anyway, we went in on Sunday morning, which means we weren't there for Sunday service, but luck has it, we have a great speaker that I know and love dearly. He happens to be my dad. Named Roger Blair, and he brought a powerful message uh, on the story of Jesus turning water into wine. I know it ministered to my heart. I know it's going to minister to yours. So thanks for listening. I'm going to be speaking on um, John, St. John, the second chapter. And it's a very familiar uh, verse to people. It's been a point of contention with some people um, because it's the where Jesus turned water into wine at the, at the marriage of Cana in Galilee. And so uh, some people like to insert themselves into the scripture and thinks that it's about how much uh, wine we can drink or whatever. But the scripture is always about Jesus. And, um, and it's for us, but it's about him. So as long as you keep your eye on Jesus, you'll see the true meaning in this scripture. And hopefully I can shed a little light on it. Uh, and there we go, the chapter 2, and we'll go uh, through 10 before we're done here. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, What have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. I'm going to back this scripture up about 45 days and give you a a little bit of a setting. Uh, Jesus has 45 days before this wedding. Jesus turned 30 years old, and now he's considered old enough to start a ministry to become a rabbi. In those days, you had to be 30 years old. And so he had been studying the Word of God forever because his uh, mother, Mary, had told him that he was truly the Son of God. So he was well-versed in the Old Testament. And, and he was 30 years old, and he was walking on the banks of the Jordan River, and his first cousin, John the Baptist saw him walking along, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The next day, Jesus goes into the water. He's baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descends in a form uh, of a dove on Jesus. God said, This is my son, hear him. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for the next 40 days, where he's fasting and praying and seeking God. So then he's, he comes out of the desert. He's beginning to assemble his disciples. And the time of this wedding, we believe he had five disciples with him. And he gets to the wedding, and he's, he's late. The weddings were quite long. 
three, four days. They, they went for a long time, the, the celebrations. And he comes in late, and he has his guys there. I like to put things in story form if that doesn't bother you too much. And uh, I think he's sitting there with his disciples at the table, and it's a nice day, and they're enjoying uh, the wedding ceremonies and things that's going on, and, and uh, maybe talking small talk. Maybe they're asking him, what was it like to fast for 40 days? And maybe want to ask him, how many disciples are you going to have? Because these disciples were also just learning faith in Jesus as well. He doesn't know that they have poured the last wine and there is no, no more wine. And uh, the people are, are very concerned and they're thinking, what do we do? We're, we've got another day of celebration. We have nothing to drink. They even purified their water with wine. So, you know, they, they couldn't run down to the liquor barn or they couldn't call a little old winemaker me. You know, they just... What were you going to do? So Mary hears, hears, hey, there's a dilemma. They have no wine. Well, Mary, Mary knows Jesus hasn't done any miracles, but she knows that he's the son of God. So she goes to Jesus and says to him, son, they haven't, they haven't got any wine. They ran out of wine. Now his reaction uh, isn't what you would think uh, would be normal in verse 4. Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. But it's actually should have been madam there, but we don't really address our moms like that. But I understand it because men and boys, we hate to be uh, volunteered by our mothers. We just do. I remember when I was growing up, occasionally my mom would say, you know, maybe on a Wednesday or something, she's telling me, oh, yeah, I told the women at the church that, you know, maybe you'd be over there to help them, to help them paint the Sunday school rooms on Saturday. I don't want to go paint those Sunday school rooms on Saturday. I had important things to do, like play baseball or something. I don't want to do that. So then my boys come along, and I hear Janie volunteering them, and I see their reaction. Ah, oh, they, they don't want to go do something that their mom volunteered because they had important things to do on Saturday, too like uh, play video games. So, so Jesus is reacting. <laughs> I'm here with the boys, man. And he's all saying, Mom, I'm 30 years old now. I'm no longer under your roof or your authority, but you're under mine. I'm now a rabbi. I have a ministry going here. And, and he, it seems like he's being rude, but then she just ignores what he says, and she says, his mother said to the servants, whatsoever he says, do it. And I, I, I got to thinking, you know, Jesus realized, I can't let this wedding be ruined when I can do something about it. I, there's just, what kind of friend would that be if I just ignored it? So he, he said, yeah, okay, I can, I can take care of it. And see, it, it appeared that Jesus was late to the wedding, but really he was right on time. And a lot of times we have problems in our life and we think, where's Jesus at? Jesus will always be on time. He'll never be late, even though it seems like he is. I also, I, I was thinking, you know, Jesus is the only one that could do anything about the wine shortage. Nobody else could. There was nothing else and nobody else that could do anything about it. And 
While I was thinking on that, the Holy Spirit popped a thought into my mind, and he said, this will not be the last time that Jesus would be asked to do something about a problem that only he could take care of. I thought, that's right. He was asked to touch and heal a leper, and he did it. There was no cure for leprosy. Then he was, he was asked to cast a demon out of a boy and his disciples. They couldn't even do it, and he did it. He was asked to call a dead man from a tomb who had been dead for four days, and he did that. But the biggest thing Jesus tackles is when he carried a cross. He carried a cross up Calcutta, and he hung and died there. And he faced a problem that only he could take care of, and that problem was sin. And he took care of the sin problem. And if you have a sin problem in your life today, Jesus is the only one who can take care of the sin problem in your life. He who knew no sin became sin for us, where we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus is always on time. All right? So back to the, to the wedding. You're not supposed to cry in these deals because you can't see. So she says to the, to, to the servants, whatever he says, to do it. And, and so Jesus walks up and he says, do you have any water pots? And they say, yeah, we have, we have six water pots over here that uh, are for purification. They're large. They're huge. They're, uh, they're for purification, a cleansing that they did, but they're all empty. He says, okay, fill those six water pots with water. They held somewhere between 120 and 180 gallons. So there was a bunch of people there. I mean, prior to, prior to uh, Jesus doing this, I see his role change. He, he went from a guest at the wedding now to the wedding planner. <laughs> because they don't have any way of taking care of the problem. And, Everybody knows what a wedding planner does. You take your, your guest list to the wedding planner. You say, I want 500 people at my wedding. And, and uh, the wedding planner says, okay, then you need this large a venue, and you need this much food, and this big a cake, and this many drinks, and this many tables and chairs and place settings, and, and, and on and on it goes. You, you stand here, and you walk in here, and you need the flowers and the boutonnieres. And they did it all, but this wedding planner at this wedding had blown it big time. They ran out of wine with at least a day or two to go. So what do they do? Jesus becomes the wedding planner, and he plans to take care of all their needs. So they fill these water pots with water, and he says to them, take it out now, dip it, and give it to the governor. And, and so they do that. And they, they give it to, they draw it out and bear it to the governor of the feast. And when they had bore it, the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, and it was made wine and knew not whence it was. But the servants who drew it knew the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drank, then that which is worse, 
but thou hast kept the good until now. All right. We are, are aware that for everything that Jesus did, there is a physical meaning and a spiritual meaning. Are you aware of that? Okay, you're not. All right, so let me give you a couple examples. Whatever was done to Jesus, he gave us a spiritual blessing, our meaning. And everything he did has a physical and spiritual blessing. For instance, where they took him to the cross and put a crown of thorns on his head. And he turned that into a crown of righteousness for us. They stripped him of his robe. He said, I will robe you in righteousness. Uh, Isaiah wrote, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And by the stripes, we're healed. Everything they did to him turned into a blessing for us. He hung and bled and died for us where we could have life. They pierced his side where we could be grafted into the family of God. One of the reasons. All right? So, if you will, let's step over and see if we can see a spiritual meaning to this wedding ceremony. I can't move. There's a camera here, so sorry about that. I like to walk around, just act like I am. No. Uh, Jesus sees these six water pots. Fill them up. Says to the servants, fill them up. And they do. They fill them to the brim. All right, let's step over into the spiritual side of it. Jesus is saying to the servants, um, by the way, you and I are the servants of the Lord. We're in service today, aren't we? Giving praise and worship to the King of Kings. He's saying, bring me empty water pots. See, six. You notice Jesus didn't say, do you have any more? Or that's too much? No, six. Six is the number of man. We were created on the sixth day. Gives us a six-day work week. Seventh day is the day of rest. He gave us 6,000 years to get everybody saved. Seventh is going through the millennial reign. Even the Superman to come, the one we call the Antichrist, the number of his name is 666. So what Jesus is saying to you and I, to the servants, bring me empty men, empty humans. These six always speaks of, of lack, not enough, insufficient, insignificant, broken. Jesus is saying to you, bring me men, bring me humans that are empty, that are broken, are, are, are void of living water. Bring, bring me the lost, because that's who I deal with. That's who I will fill with living water. And the case in point, remember the woman at the well? Jesus is at the well in Samaria. The lady comes out carrying her water pot. Jesus begins to talk with her. says, let me give you a drink. You don't even have anything. I'm paraphrasing, but you don't have anything to take water out of the well with. He said, but what I will give you will be living water that will spring up into eternal life. And as he talks to her, she begins to understand. The veil is removed from her eyes and her ears. She understands. She goes, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. She accepts him. 
She leaves her water pot and she runs back to her town and begins to tell everybody, come, come and meet the man that I've, I've met. He, he's telling me everything. He's the Messiah. He knows all about me. Come and meet him. Come and become and be, be saved as I am. She had left her water pot there because she was the water pot Christ was filling. And that's exactly what Christ is asking us to do, to bring people who are, are void of this light of the gospel. Paul wrote, we have treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure we have is the light of the gospel. It's the living water that the Holy Spirit turns into wine. That's why God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could turn the water into wine. And it's what he does for you. When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit steps into you, and he brings a, a gift of joy. And, and joy, it, wine is symbolic of joy. And so the Holy Spirit turns you into a vessel of honor, a vessel that wants to tell others, come and know, know the Messiah. Come and meet the one that will change your life, that will purify your life, that will make you whole and complete. And why is Jesus doing this? Why is he so concerned? Because Jesus is planning a wedding. He's a wedding planner there. He's a wedding planner now. He's planning a wedding. And, and he wants everybody to come to it. He said, bring me your lost. Bring me your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. Bring me your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. Bring me everybody, because I'm planning this huge wedding, and I'm not willing that nobody doesn't have a chance. Everybody needs to have a chance to know Christ. Come, if, if you'll invite them, and they come, I'll add them to the wedding family. I'll, in fact, I'll, not only the party, but the family of God, I'll graft them in to this great wedding. And the wedding that he's planning is his and yours. And he's also planning a huge supper. And that supper is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The same Lamb that John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes the same of the takes away the sins of the world, is the same one that hung on the cross, became the sacrificial lamb where you and I could be saved, is planning the marriage supper of the lamb. And he says, everybody you bring, I'm writing their name down in the lamb's book of life. And everybody that will accept me, I not only will write their name down in the lamb's book of life, but I'm putting a place setting with their name on it, the Lamb's Marriage Supper of the Lamb. He's preparing us a place. He, he said, I, I'm going to take you to my father's house and I'm going to present you as a bride robed in white, in, robed in righteousness, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to bring you to the Father. And he said, my, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But since it is so, I have gone away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He wants us all there as a huge family. But ladies and gentlemen, our time is running out here. We're in the last of the last 
days. Our 6,000 years are almost up. I don't know if we have 15 minutes, 15 years. We don't have very long. Your, your, your friends, your family needed to invite them to accept Christ, invite them to come to church, and give them an opportunity to know the life giver. And one last thing, Jesus is preparing this great supper, and he actually, he laid the wedding out before. And if you'll remember, he said, a king laid out a wedding, had a wedding, and invited all of his friends, and none of them came. Everybody had an excuse. So he told his servants, he said, go to the highways and the byways and compel everybody who will come. See, Jesus laid that, that marriage out for the Jewish people, and they rejected him. And then he turned to us, and he said, invite whoever will come, the Gentiles. And what did he do? He had to be pierced inside where we could be grafted into his family. He was a Jew, and now so are you. Grafted in by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. All right? So, he, so why has Jesus got this great wedding for us? Because he loves us. Only because he loves us. And you want to know what we're going to have for dinner that day? I don't know. Uh, no. I can tell you one thing we are. We're going to have, we're going to have communion. Because he told his disciples before he left, he had the last supper before they hung him on a cross. He said, I won't take communion again until we sit down in heaven and do it. So when we get there, we find our place setting with our name on it. I asked God I wouldn't cry, but it happened. We sat down there. We break bread. We break bread with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We break bread and drink wine, remembering what he did for us. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator. But he brings us back and he says, you're here because I paid your price. We're going to worship him and thank him. And if we have nothing else at the dinner, it'll be worth it. That was the king of Presented before God. John looked at it and got a glimpse at it. John the Revelator. John said, I see a number that no man can number. And not only for here. Today we're going around the world by this camera and via the internet. Those people that are out there, you can be a part of this great family of God. You can accept Christ in your life today. And we do have viewers. I think we've had uh, Belgium and different places that we know have, have viewed it. So I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. As a church member, would you commit to asking at least one person to, to church for this? end of the year, one unsaved person, would you, would you just say, I'll try to ask, or I'll ask at least one? It's up to them whether they come or not. But would you do what Jesus said? Mary said, whatever Jesus said, do. Do it. He said, bring the empty earthen vessels. So would you bring them 
empty earthen vessels, humans that don't know Christ, give them a chance to join this great family of God. Would you do that? If, you, if you'd consider that, would you just raise your hand? Would you consider that? Thank you. God takes numbers. God takes numbers, okay? Try to do that. One last thing I'd like to do. I don't know everybody here, so I'm going to ask you, if you would just bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're here, and this message is spoken to your heart, the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, and you haven't accepted Christ, and you want to be a part of this great marriage supper of the Lamb, this great reunion in heaven, it sounds too good to be true, but it's not because God said not even half of it has been told what he's waiting for us with. Anybody here, would you like to accept Christ today? If you'd like to do that, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Anywhere? Anybody across the audience? Anybody around the world who can accept Christ today? Just ask him for your life. All right? If you would uh, want to, you could come and stand and rededicate your life if you'd like. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. I hope you got something out of this. It might have been a little jumbled up. I apologize, but anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your great love, your care, your kindness, your mercy. I thank you, God, for touching hearts and lives, giving us a plan, even a hidden scripture, a hidden meaning because nobody was named as bride and groom at Cana because you're the groom and we're your bride. And we pray, God, that you would bless your people, your bride. No one raised their hand here. So, God, I ask that you would bless them, use them, anoint them, give them opportunity to bring somebody to you. God, be with us. We'll give you honor, glory, and praise. We love you and thank you, Jesus.